You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins. Check out TrueStrengthApparel.com for clothing you'll love with a message you can trust. That's TrueStrengthApparel.com. How you doing, guys? Uh, good to be back with you. Aaron here with the uh, part two of Luke chapter 16. This is going to be verses 14 through 31, uh, the end of the chapter today. So before we start, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, for this opportunity, for this time to learn more about your word, to study it, to uh, uh, to really dive in and, and, and learn from it, God. And I pray that as I speak, your words would come out. What you want the people to hear um, would be said, Lord. Again, I thank you for this time, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, well, let's just jump right into it. I'm reading from the CSB this week. So uh, if you pull that up in your app or something, that's that's what I'm reading from. Uh, let's start with verse 14. Uh, Luke 16, verse 14. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and scoffing at him. And he told them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts, for what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed, and everyone is urgently invited to enter it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter in the law to drop out. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And everyone who marries a woman, divorced from her husband, commits adultery. All right, so <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there for now because uh, that's kind of the first section of these uh, of this last part. So Jesus is talking here, and and he's still from the first uh, beginning of of sixteen. He's still continuing his talk he was having with his disciples but we see in verse 14 we see that now uh, uh now we're told that there there was also pharisees that were listening so immediately uh you know brings up here um the pharisees who were lovers of money so again we just finished last week saying that you can't serve two masters you can't serve uh both god and money because you're going to only be serving, you're going to end up serving only one of them. Um, 
and if it's not God, it's going to be money. So uh, he immediately starts out here, and we see that it said, it says that the Pharisees who were lovers of money, they were sitting there, and they were hearing him talk, and they were hearing Jesus say these things, say, say this, this parable um, from earlier, and then end it with saying, you cannot serve both God and money. They're laughing at him. They're scoffing at him for saying such a thing because, because again, they're lovers of money. So why would they, they would think that's such a foolish message to hear that, um, that you can't serve both because they were also people that, you know, supposedly held up scripture, uh, to such high regards and they walked around like they were better than everybody. And, uh, and, uh, everybody should follow their their examples uh, because they're such these they're they're such these godly men godly men and and uh, uh, so they thought it was ridiculous that you you know we are doing both so what do you mean we can't do both so that's where we're we're coming from uh, so we see in uh, in fifteen Jesus goes immediately and says no stop it you're you're missing the point here. And he says, he told them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts. Jesus is always about the heart. Uh, Jesus is always, um, that's all of his teaching is going after our heart, going after our mentality. Uh, not just, not just wanting righteous acts from us, but, uh, but what's our heart behind all of these things. So, Sure, on the surface, the Pharisees were were doing some, you know, quote unquote, good things, uh, but it was all it was all for uh, a prideful intent. Um, it was all for self righteousness, um, for them to look good. It was all about themselves. So, <clears throat> um, and Jesus says. God knows your heart. Like, hey guys, this is a uh, this is a problem. You know, you guys think you're doing good, but it's that's that's not how things are working out. And we see the end of fifteen for what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. So, as we're going to see further um, in the next section, but uh, that'll kind of go over this a little bit more but what's highly admired to people is revolting in God's sight um, so again going back to what could be for example um, some righteous acts that they 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 could be doing to show like hey look at us we're, we're these great guys um, but to God because God knows their heart that's that is 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 revolting to him. That's a complete turnoff. That's he knows that they're not right behind those acts. So, you know, that should be almost a challenge to us too. When we help people out, when we, when we do good things, when we do, uh, uh, when, when we're trying to help people out and stuff like that, are we only doing it out of, um, is there a pride behind that? Uh, is there right self-righteousness behind that? Is there uh, possible greed behind that? Is there, um, do we do it 
Do we do things out in front of everybody so that we get the recognition for doing those things? Um, or are we doing those things because we want God to get the recognition um, for God's glory? So going to 16, um, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed and everyone is urgently invited to enter it. The law and the prophets uh, basically is a reference to the Old Testament and um, kind of also given this idea that the Old Testament, the Old Testament was a lot about, uh, was a lot about the kingdom, was a lot about, uh, uh, about the king and about the kingdom. Oh, I'm sorry, the kingdom, but, but the New Testament is so much about the king of the kingdom, which is Jesus. And that's where it changes to where, uh, um, since then, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. In the beginning, the law and the prophets were until John, that's a reference to John the Baptist. And, uh, since then the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed and everyone is urgently invited to enter. So, uh, the good news of the kingdom is, is starting with John the Baptist it's about it's about the Messiah now. It's about the King of the Kingdom. Um, so John the Baptist was not the last. He was not the last Old Testament prophet. He was the first New Testament one because he was the first one who specifically said, "Like this is the message of the Messiah," and uh, and was urging that message was an urgent message to people um, to to hear it. Uh, well to hear it, but not, but to believe it. That was the urgency was to believe it. Um, and this is an interesting verse next 17, but it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter to the law in the law to drop out. Um, so the point is here is that God created creation is in control of creation, but at some point creation is, and that's well, I'm saying creation. That's that's the heaven and earth in this verse. Uh, it is it is it is easier, and all of the creation, the universe, everything around us, this this all of the just things is so so much we can't even imagine it. All of that is simpler. It's simpler and easier for that to pass away, to go away and change, than for the 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 moral law for one stroke of the letter in the law to drop out the moral law of of God to change is the point um so uh because the that 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 moral law is tied so much to God's character and God's character isn't going to change can't change Jesus's character can't change uh, we see in, in Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just uh, a point to, um, again, it's, it's easier for all of the creation to change than for one letter of the law to change. And then he goes ahead and uses what seems like kind of an out-of-place verse in verse 18, where he says... Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And everyone who marries a woman 
divorced from her husband, husband commits adultery. So he's, it, <laughs> that verse seems like it's out of place, but, but what he's doing is he's using that as an example to point out that that is just an example of one of those moral laws um, that they can't change. Uh, so once, um, and, and there's a little bit, a little bit of, of nuance to, to the divorce and remarriage thing, um, according to scripture. Uh, so what, what he's really getting across here is anyone who divorces, um, Outside of a biblical reason, God has not canceled that marriage. So, the the first one. So if you if you go and remarry to somebody that is not your original spouse, then you're committing adultery, is what he's saying. Um, but again, that obviously is a huge topic on itself. I'm not going to dive into it more here. Um, just give a short uh, explanation of how it, it, it ties into to what we're talking about. He's using that. Um, he's using verse 18 to give an example of how a moral law is not going to change ever. And that was one of them when it comes to divorce. <clears throat> so we get into the, the, the last section of the chapter. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and read that whole thing, then go back and go through it. Uh, starting in verse 19. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table. But instead, the dogs would come and lick his sores. One day, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off, with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this flame. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things, just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here. While you are in agony. Besides, besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us, between us and you, so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot. Neither can those from there cross over to us. Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house, because I have five brothers to warn them, so they won't also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he told them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. I, I read that and... Uh, and I got, I got the first time I, the first couple times I went over that, those last few verses, I got chills, honestly. Um, because it, it, it's, it's pretty apparent, you know, what Jesus was getting at. Um, but we'll go over that when we get there. So, <clears throat> uh, 
19 and 20. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. So, uh, this is a picture. Um, the, Jesus goes into to telling a story now. And, you know, using what most people believe are fictional characters. Some people believe that this, this actually was a, uh, or is based off of, off of, um, reality based off of true events. Uh, and, but you know, for, for, I'm going to go with that. It's not that it's, it's a God's using, or Jesus is using this fictional story to, uh, to prove a point to the Pharisees. And also keep in mind, um, the rich man in this is an example of the Pharisees. So, uh, also something, something in, in here is that whether or not Jesus was doing it on purpose, I mean, it's Jesus. So why wouldn't he be? Cause it definitely is something that he would have known. Um, is, is very much a, um, a, a principle that we see in Proverbs where, uh, Lazarus, who is the poor man, um, but is the righteous man is somebody, um, whose, whose name is given, but the rich man who, who is a, an earthly wicked man, uh, the, the, there's no specific name given to him. He's just, he's just the rich man. Um, and that, that Proverbs, uh, the principle that I'm getting at from Proverbs is from Proverbs 10, seven, the remembrance of the righteous is a blessing but the name of the wicked will rot. So the idea is that it really doesn't matter that the rich man, what the rich man's name is. Um, because at the end of the day, his name, he's, he's in eternal torment. He's in eternal rot. It, it, so his, his earthly name really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Uh, but the righteous one will continue on. So, uh, so anyway, we're moving on to, to 21, uh, and this, this is talking about Lazarus, the poor man. He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. So think about this. He's not saying that, that Lazarus is, is sitting there. And being jealous of everything that the rich man has, um, and is and is not saying that he wants everything the rich man has. It, it's literally saying he just is hoping for the crumbs off of the table. He's not hoping that he he gets this fancy house, he gets all of these you know fancy friends, and has all this uh, amazing food and all this stuff. It's literally just saying. He's just hoping for the crumbs that fall off of the table. But drawing even a even a a starker difference between the rich man and Lazarus goes on to say, um, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. So not only does he not want the rich man's stuff, he just wants just wants the crumbs from the rich man's table. Not only does he not get that. It's it's a whole bunch of steps deeper than that, and 
all the way to the point where he doesn't even get crumbs. But what he does get is dogs licking his sores. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's Jesus drawing this picture that is trying to show the, the drastic difference between the rich man and Lazarus in the story um, from an earthly perspective. So uh, going to 22, one day the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And so, um, so they both, they both died, obviously they both died. Uh, but we see here that, that the angels carried away, uh, Lazarus, Lazarus to, um, uh, to Abraham's bosom is, is in a lot of, um, translations. Abraham's side is, is what this translation has, uh, there is a lot of, uh, again, that could go into some, some deeper stuff, but for these purposes, just, just, just think heaven. Um, so in other words, he's carried off to heaven and, uh, and then we see that the rich man died and he was buried and in 23 and being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. So again, for for this for these purposes here, without going into anything super deep, um, Hades is hell. Uh, so he's being he's in torment in hell. So we see that Lazarus, Lazarus, who who was was from an earthly perspective was was super poor, didn't have his health, uh, was was on the low end of society, and the rich man was up here on earth, and now. Lazarus is in heaven and, and I could, I mean, the difference is, is way more different because we're talking a heavenly eternal perspective, not an earthly perspective here. So, um, so in, in this story, uh, we, we now enter, uh, Abraham and Abraham is, is, is by the side of Lazarus and, uh, and the rich man cries out to him, Father Abraham, verse 24. He called out, have mercy on me and says, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in these flames. So, so just like how, well, not just like, but sort of like how Lazarus, was not hoping was not wishing to have all of the stuff the rich man had on earth. He was just hoping for the crumbs. He was just hoping for the small leftovers is now just, just how that is showing uh, or just how that has happened on earth is now reversed. And the rich man is saying to Abraham, Abraham, please. I'm in so much agony and torment here. All I'm asking for is Lazarus to 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 dip hit the the tip of his finger in water just so I can basically have a drop. So y y you get the relation here. Uh, uh he wants 
and Lazarus wanted drops of crumbs. Now the rich man wants a drop of water. And and as such a just just thinking about that is thinking about how that now is is an eternal thing. Um, it can't be changed. Uh, our earthly lives here, you know, what do we have? 70, 80, 100 years in, in the grand scheme of eternity, it's, 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 it's basically nothing. And that's what we're talking about here. Uh, we're talking about an eternal torment or eternity with God. And so I, I, I we'll just keep going with 25. Um, son, and this is Abraham's answer to the rich man. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life, you received your good things, just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all this, verse 26, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot, neither can those from there cross over to us. So Abraham's pointing out the fact that, that, Hey, you decided to live your earthly life in all of the earthly comforts that you could possibly have and receive and, and, and not share those, uh, with Lazarus again goes back to uh, to last week where we talked about using your money and possessions for kingdom purposes um, but he's saying Abraham is saying you decided to not use your earthly possessions and money um, for anything else other than yourself so now because of that you're where you are you, you never received that message of salvation. You didn't care to hear it. And, and now, and, and Lazarus, now again, we don't know much about Lazarus, how he, he was a believer and all that, but he's, a, he's obviously a believer. So, because he's in heaven. Um, so Lazarus, even though he had the worst basically the worst possible earthly life. He, uh, he was righteous in God's eyes and is now getting to spend eternity in his presence. So he's comforted. Um, and goes on to Abraham goes on to explain to the rich man. Hey, Hey, basically, even if I wanted to, there's nothing we can do for you. There's nothing, there's nothing that, that we, any of us from here, can go and give to you. There's nothing that you can do to try to get over here because there's this, this, <laughs> there's this great chasm. There's this basically this great divider, um, that neither side can go through because eternity is set period. And so, so once Abraham gives that message, the rich man, he's like, all right, crap. Okay, there's no hope for me. 
But again, he goes to Abraham. He's like, father, he says to him, he said, then I beg you. Basically, I beg you, since there's no hope for me, I beg you, send, send him, send Lazarus to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so they won't also come to this place of torment. So now he's like, all right, there's no hope for me, but please go and tell my family because I don't want my brothers to go through the same thing that I'm going through. I don't want my brothers who are probably living the same life the rich man did here on earth. I don't want them to go through what I'm going through right now because there's no hope for me, but there's still hope for them right now. And again, that seems like that's, that's, you know, okay, sure. It's a good thing. He, he came to his senses a little bit and at least thought of his family and at least thought of his brothers and was like, hey, I don't want my brothers to go through what I'm going through right now. So please help them. Which is a picture of a lot of people nowadays and all, th- all throughout time. But a lot of people nowadays, they're going to live their lives however they want now and not receive that message of the gospel. And when they get to hell... They're going to wish that they did, but realize it's too late for them. And then they're going to realize, hey, please, somebody tell my family, somebody tell my loved ones. But Abraham answers this. And he says in 29, they have Moses and the prophets They should listen to them. So Abraham is basically saying they have the truth, the the word in front of them. Um, They have Moses and the prophets. Again, they have the Old Testament. They have God's story. They have. uh, They have in front of them how. How they can have salvation. Um, but then in 30, we see how the man is, the man basically is losing hope. And he says, no, father Abraham, he said, no, but if someone from the dead, I'm sorry, let me go back in 29, they should listen to them. So Abraham is saying, Listen to the, listen to the word. They, they need to listen to the word they already have because you didn't. And he's, and, and again, again, picture this. This is, this is, he's talking, uh, Jesus is, Jesus is using the rich man as an example to the Pharisees. So the Pharisees are people who know the word. They, they know, um, they know up to that point what all scripture says. They, they, they know it. There's a difference between knowing it and believing it and receiving that gift, uh, receiving that salvation, believing in that message. Um, Because there's a difference between head knowledge and and just knowing something and then and then receiving it. So. In 30, the rich man says, no, Father Abraham. 
But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And in 31, Abraham says to him, <laughs> Abraham says to him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they don't listen. Basically, if they don't listen to the word they already have in front of them. Again, this is a, me a message directly to the Pharisees. If you're not already listening to the words you have in front of you. End of 31. They will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. So, <clears throat> in so much of Old Testament prophecy, we see that the Messiah was going to well, the Messiah was going to be crucified. The Messiah was going to rise again. And that's in, that's, that's in the old Testament. That's in the scriptures that they had up to that point. That's in the scriptures that the rich man would have known about in his life. That's in the scriptures that the rich man's family would know about. That's in the scriptures that the Pharisees would know at that point. But, But Jesus is saying, well, Jesus telling the story and Abraham is saying in the story, if they're not going to receive that word, then it doesn't matter if somebody rises from the dead in front of them because they're not going to listen to it. They're not going to be persuaded by that message. So <clears throat> obviously that's an ironic message that Jesus is is sharing a story that Jesus is sharing because Jesus is that Messiah. Jesus is that that Messiah that is going to to be crucified and going to rise again. And to Abraham's point in Jesus's story, not only the Pharisees, and again, keep in mind, the rich man is is the Pharisees. The Pharisees are not going to listen. They, they already haven't listened to the word, but they're not even going to listen to when somebody, when, when they've seen the Messiah rise from the dead, because, uh, because they've already seen up to this point, they've already seen Jesus, cre Jesus perform miracles. Um, so another miracle of Jesus rising from the dead is not going to do anything for them. And we know that. Uh, from more scripture, which is in Acts 5, uh, 30, verse 30, 30 to 33. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to his right hand as ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And this is the important part as far as the Pharisees go. Verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. So it doesn't matter that they knew that these events happened. It doesn't matter. Because they didn't buy into it. They, they were not going to buy into it no matter what. They were not going to buy into it even though they had the truth in the scriptures already in front of them from, from, from thousands of years prior and up to that point. And even seeing Jesus performing miracles already and 
so it doesn't matter. Even seeing him uh, uh, resurrect, it still doesn't matter because they're not going to be persuaded. Um, and they're just not going to believe. So it's a good and bad message. <laughs> it's and sad. Uh, it's sad because it gives us a picture that we can apply to nowadays that there are going to be a lot of people who hear the gospel, hear the good news of Jesus Christ and his dying um, for our sins and resurrecting to prove that he's the Messiah, to prove that he is, is who Scripture says he is. There's a lot of people throughout history and now and your family members and your friends, some of them or a lot of them are going to hear that message and just not believe it. So that's kind of sad, right? Um, but at the same time, we got to remember, this is in God's hands. So it's, it's not something for us to lose hope in, to lose hope like, like, dang, man, if, if nobody's going to listen to me, if nobody's going to, going to, going to receive this message, and if, if most of the people that I give this message to are going to, are going to not receive it, then what am I doing? Well, here's the thing. It's not our job as believers to make someone believe. We, we can't force somebody into salvation. We just can't. That's not on us. That's between them and God. Um, but we do have a job. It is our job as believers to make sure that they've at least heard the message. That they've at least heard the good news. So, yes, it's sad that some who are going to hear it don't receive it and don't believe it. But that, that, again, that's between them and God. There's a point where we need to, to, uh, to say, hey, God, I gave it. Now, I hope that they receive it. Um, but outside of that, I, I know that I can't make them believe. Um, and Lord, I'm turning them over to you. Uh, and that also doesn't mean that we give up either. It doesn't mean that we stop. It doesn't mean that like, you know, Hey, your best friend who doesn't believe. And, and you may have personally told them the gospel six times up to this point in your life. It doesn't mean that you never, it doesn't mean that you stop ever sharing the word, sharing God with them. Um, because at one point in their life, they could believe it. They could receive that message. And if they don't, that's on them. Um, but, but we have to at least do our part of making sure that they know it, of giving that message to them. Um, and a big part of that, again, going back to the first part of the chapter, a big part of making sure that they do that is to use our things and our possessions and our money for kingdom 
promoting purposes. So, yeah, um, that's what I have for this chapter. Uh, I uh, I like this chapter a lot, um, and uh, it, it did challenge me in a, in a lot of different things. And and also, I think sometimes, I think a lot of times we need a reminder um, of of how important it is to make sure we are going about and sharing this this message um giving this good news to people um and and it's we give it and we give it we give that to god uh because again we can't force people into into salvation um but we can tell them about salvation and then pray for them and 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 hope that they receive it on their own uh so there we go. Uh, I thank you guys. Thank you for listening. I just release, realized that I'm 40 minutes into this. So <laughs> I hope you guys stuck around. Um, yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, uh, I hope that, that this challenged you just like it challenged me. Um, something in here maybe. Um, it's always a good thing to dive into God's word. So uh, I love you guys and, and I'll see you soon. Hey guys, one last thing. You can do me a huge favor by going and rating this podcast on whatever platform you're listening, especially Apple Podcasts, because ratings have have the most to do uh, with pushing you up the charts, getting people more exposed to your name and your podcast, and, and hopefully bringing more listeners. Um, we are a Bible-based, uh, gospel-based show. We do we, we do mess around with some other things, but that is our main purpose. That is our, our main message is to get out, uh, get out Jesus and his good news and bringing that through interviews, bringing that through other shows so that are, are hopefully uh, thought provoking and sometimes even fun. And anyway, the best way you can help us, the simplest, easiest way you can help us is by rating the show. Um, please rate the show, especially if you're on Apple platforms on the Apple platform and um, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you.